0: And, and, you know, uh, last week as I began to minister this, it it just kind of took a life of its own. Sometimes with me, uh, I I teach... Sometimes I I know way ahead of time kind of what God's wanting me to teach. Sometimes it just kind of un, unfolds uh, right before. And and I'd had an extremely busy uh, you know a lot going on. I had a wedding, I had a, a funeral, and then in between I had a Sunday service, and I was trying to plan all that with with and from Sunday to Tuesday is a short turnaround a lot of times. Uh, and so there's there's always I'm always working on things and teaching and and uh, what's going to teach next and. And uh, Matthew chapter 8, when I, when I grabbed hold of this word, I was just going through my, so just in my prayer time, and I was like, Lord, what do I minister on? And, and I've written notes in my Bible uh, where this was concerned, and I, at the top of this Bible, uh, it says, Great Faith... And that I just, it stirred me. And you know, from last week I I taught this and uh, used this illustration of how this centurion soldier demonstrated faith that, that Jesus termed as great. And and I told you, if I can be great, I want to be great. I mean, I, I may struggle to be average most of the time, most of my life, but I want to be great if I can be great. And so, so, you know, we want to be the best that we can be. We talked about excellence, how that, that our desire is to be the best we can with what we have. You know, that's why I love this church. That's why I love what we've been able to do from taking this from eight or nine people four years ago to being full and and then the, the things that God has done. And, and our impact is is great, uh, not only on, you know, Carrier, which we almost, uh, you know, on Sunday morning can have as many as this town has in it, you know, just about. But but we draw from all these different communities. You know, we draw from Kremlin and Drummond and Enid and, and you know, affect people that come down from the different communities around, but I, I want us to be as effective as we can be. And you know what? God hadn't called us to be uh, huge and large necessarily, but I can see beyond what what is happening here as we begin to start some other things, which I forgot to announce uh, that we are going to start on the last Sunday of September, a children's choir. Uh, something that uh, Pat or Patricia Hoover has uh, uh, done for mol- many years. And uh, she felt led of the Lord to offer that that we'd begin a, a uh, from about five, five years old to not about five years old to about eighth grade. that, that parts a little bit. We can, we can gain those kids in. but begin to minister on Sunday mornings. And, and open up an opportunity to have those kids here a little bit early, which will also in a, uh, give us an ability to have an adult Sunday school class. So I thought it was a pretty cool deal. One of the struggles we've had is what do we do with all the kids? And, and it, 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 I tell you what, the more we add, the more, man, the more work it is, the more trouble it is, the more, the more complications there are. But you know what? I get excited when I see young families coming in and now we have youth group and now we you know we're starting to be able to have Sunday school and some of the things because God's blessed us with the family so with what we have if we were all old here, we'd have a, a strong senior citizens ministry, you know, and uh, hey, we got enough of you who might be seniors that we could do that as well. But, you know, I think that mixes in good with our couples ministry and everything else we're doing. All the ages and the generations are awesome. But these young families, it's such a blessing. We want to do with, with, with all we can with what we've been given. And, and uh, so I want to be as great as I can where my faith is concerned, too. And the thing I've learned over the years is it is a growing process. And we're going to look at this in verse 5 of of Matthew chapter 8. It says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a, a centurion came to him and asked for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Now, understanding who's asking is important because that's a Roman soldier. He was not a Jew. He was not trained in, in uh, religion. He, he didn't know Jesus for anything except he could see with his eyes what Jesus was able to do and how Jesus spoke words and, and things changed. That was important. And this man, not being religious, didn't feel worthy to have Jesus come into his life. But a centurion soldier is someone who who would have maybe 100, uh, approximately 100 soldiers underneath him. So he was in a mid level uh, of a uh, leader. And so, verse seven, it says, Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? Now, I love this because Jesus made a declaration, he made a statement, and he said, Shall I? In, In other words, he's demonstrating his will. I'll come heal him. How do you want to make this happen? See, I think that's a, a, a demonstration that God gives us a responsibility in our prayer and, and gives us a part to play in how. Now, listen, we, we can't just decide any old thing outside of God's will, but as we learn and understand and know who God is, He, he, uh, he loves the fact that he's, he's really, Jesus is saying, where's your faith at? What are you believing for? What are your expectations? And I think we can see in other places you can look at Mark chapter 5. Don't turn there. But you know you know the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She said how she was going to be healed. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment... He doesn't have to acknowledge me. He doesn't have to lay hands on me. All i got to do is if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she said that and prayed that and, and, and made that happen. Same way with uh, J. Iris. Jairus. Iris said, come to my home, lay your hands on my daughter, and she will live. And so there was an involvement in their faith, their declaration, the way they prayed that made a difference. And I think uh, there are times when we don't know God's will. No Facebook. Or not? Do we want to turn it on my phone? Okay. Uh, That's my cow picture. Can't do that one. Man, all these online people are missing it. Oh, it's on the computer. Okay, so it's on the computer but not Facebook. Well, we can fix Facebook. We've got too many people that watch... Okay, tell them, text them back and say, hang on, well, come on, phone. You know, if you're sitting here, you're going, why are we worrying about that? But if you're out there, you're thinking that, oh, there's some good roping going on. That's Man. You can tell where my cows and horses are coming on to my... Okay, no, 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 carrier. I've got four Facebooks on here, so I'm trying to get the right one. There we go. I have done it with the wrong one before. All right, so we'll go live, and then uh, somebody needs to hold this. Yeah, that that'll be loud. <laughs> Here, you can, you should be able to hold that. That, that. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so we're gonna be we're gonna be somewhat live. At least at least we. So in Mark chapter eight, and I'm not gonna recap everything, but Mark chapter eight. You, you might be able to prop it up right there. I don't know, but okay. So, all right. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 8, sorry. Mark, Matthew chapter 8. But see, Jesus, he established the man's will. Well, you can, but I mean, that would, if you want to, uh, flip it around. You may not be able to flip it around now. So, uh, in Matthew chapter 8 verse 8. Get it? All right. All right. Is Dakota's face on there now? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. We've had fun this morning. You know, I, I believe you ought to be able to have fun in church. And, and, and uh, so if, if you're not having fun, then you, you might be in the wrong place. But uh, anyway, no, uh, but, Ma- but Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, then, then the centurion replied, so when Jesus asked, you know, this was, this was the awesome thing is when he asked, the, the way he responded caused Jesus to declare his faith as great. And it says, in, uh, He says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And that was not because he was unworthy, it was because he was not, not Jewish. And I, I'm sure that he didn't feel religious or connected to his God, but he, was, but he had faith to believe based on his understanding of authority. And that's why I've titled this The Authority of God's Word Part Two. Now, um, I did part two because I did part one last week. (laughs) But he says, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. So he declared that he didn't need to come under his roof. He said, shall I come heal him? I'm willing to come heal him. But he declared, the man said, no, here's where my faith is. You speak a word. Now, why could he do that? is because he goes on to say in verse 9, "...for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you that I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith." So I, I talked about this last week, but but man, I tell you what, having a, a, an understanding of what this means is so important that we can hear this again. Because it, when I hear that I can uh, that that somebody who gets that Jesus' words are that vi- vital, that important. See, but he in order for him to know that he had to understand. Authority. He had to understand that when words were spoken, things change. You know, I I relate that to my dad. My dad, if he said something, that was it. You didn't. You didn't say why. Oh, I mean, you might once, but but, you know, you, you, you figured out. You didn't ask questions. Okay, if he needed you to know, then you would learn. But there was a there was a response. Why? Because when he said, uh, "Go," I remember one time we were standing there. Uh, we would gathered cattle, and I was probably—I mean, he died when I was just turned eleven, so I mean, I was probably eight or nine years old. I don't know. We, but me and my older two older sisters, we would uh, saddle horses and gather all the cattle. And we had one we had one uh, half section that, that was divided up, and we uh, were AI and a bunch of cows. And so we would gather these cows on. A regular basis. And I don't remember if we were weaning calves. I don't remember what we were doing, but we had the, the corrals. We had a nice set of corrals and catch pens and everything. We had them all loaded with cows, probably had hundred or 150 cows in there with their calves. And, and so we're, we're standing there and, and I remember my sister talked about this. She said, when, when, when daddy would tell us to do something, she would, in her mind mold oldest sister, she would process how was the fastest way to get it done. Uh, yesterday, we were uh, working on uh, up at the church, and I, they were talking about uh, shortcuts versus um, saving money. And I won't tell you the whole story, but I just always said, my dad was always, hurry up. So he, again, the, other, the older gentleman that was there helping me at the, up there, he said, well, well, my dad was always like, you better save a penny, or you better save anything you could. And I said, well, mine was all about saving money unless it cost you time. And, and he, was, he was pushing on through. But in this instance, we're sitting there gathering these cattle. My sister said, "You know, if he said to do something, I always found the fastest way. I would calculate in my mind: Is it going over the fence and through the cows, or is it running all the way around? You know, if we were right over here. Well, anyway, we're we're standing there, and uh, you know, you usually we weren't we didn't we weren't afraid necessarily, but we there was a heavy dose of respect whenever he spoke. And so and and uh, so he said, I remember one time that we're standing there, and the horses are tied up. This instance." And one of them uh, begins to relieve himself. One of the gildings is, is standing over there. He he begins. You hear this? Noise? And my my dad said, "Go fix that. Go stop that leak." And I went. And I went. Oh man, he got me. <laughs> See, the response was immediate. See, if we could get to where God's word was that settled. And we trusted God's word to that point that when God spoke, and see, I value the fact that I had that response to my dad's word because it's been easy to relate that to God in his word. That if God said it and God directed it, it was never for my harm. It was for my good. It is for my good. And if I'm, if I'm obedient to follow it, he's always taking care of me. It doesn't mean that I haven't been without challenges at times, but if I could understand and know that the authority of God's Word is true, God says it, I believe it. If God says it, it, it will be done. Now, it's not always immediate without challenge. It's not always uh, without opposition. There's times there's uh, periods of difficulty, but the thing I know that I can trust is that God is faithful to His Word. And this man understood authority, so Jesus just needed to speak. All He needed Jesus was to do was say, He's healed. I agree with you. I I establish what what you're saying. And you know... When we consider God's Word and we consider what He said, we can read that Word and begin to ask ourselves, do I believe? You know, that's the thing that, that the different tests and challenges teach us as we go through life, that we can trust God. It's, it's interesting how you know God didn't prevent Dakota's tire from blowing. But he prevented him from being stuck on the side of the road. I used to talk about that when I drove that, that old gray uh, Dodge pickup back and forth to Lotton when I was ministering in that cowboy church down there. i drive back and forth that 320,000 miles. It didn't always, there were times it would break down, but it always broke down in the right place. He said, well, I'd rather it not break down. Well, you know, you drive a, a vehicle a lot of miles, you're going to have breakdowns. But thank God every time I had a mechanic, I had time, and I had the money to fix it. I was never left on side of the road. God continued to protect and take care of me until He provided that next truck, and and uh, and He did provide the net. What was cool was as I remained faithful in that, then the next truck just showed up. I mean, there was a process, but it it should God God provided, and so He supplied. But in the process of that, I was I ta- I was taught something, I learned something, I had something to draw. And so it was easy for me to trust God for the next challenge because I could go back to, okay, God, I see how you got me through that. I see how you see you could have said, oh, that's just my luck. Just you know, I just God, every time something starts to work, it, you know, something else tears, and yeah, I got this old junk piece of trailer and or junk trailer and kicked a tire, and I don't know why I can't go. I, don't, I could have done this. I can. You can get. You can get all of that going on. And hopefully if you throw that fit, it's a short-lived fit, and then you repent and get your act back together and get back on the Word of God, because we've probably all done that too. But we want to make sure that we grab hold of God. Your Word says you're providing for me. And I'm not measuring your faithfulness by what I see, by, by never having a blown tire. I'm measuring your faithfulness by the fact that I can get where you say I can get. I can go where you say I can go. That's what I want to base my faith on, on the Word of God. See, uh, this man understood that when a person with authority spoke, that things moved, things changed, people obeyed, circumstances uh, became different. And so he related that to Jesus's Word because of one thing. He understood Jesus was a man under authority. You see, he was, it helped that he was in that mid level because he was told what to do and he obeyed. So he was under the understanding that. that the words spoken to him caused him to move and change things, but he also understood that whenever he released words, the, th- the people and the things around him changed things. So when we relate that to and, and then he, or he related that to Jesus, he said Jesus is under authority as well. He's under the authority of the Father. He's come to, uh, under the authority of heaven. See, he may not have understand all the Jewish things, but you know what? Sometimes people who don't have a real religious background, are, it's easier for them to grab hold of the Word and just accept it because they don't have to unlearn a bunch of stuff. Because sometimes we've, if we've uh, grown up in the church or, or grown up around religious people, sometimes we're taught a bunch of things that are, that are reasoned out by man. You know, I, I, I or we bring worldly things, worldly ideas, worldly uh, uh, opinions, and we and we uh, put them into the things of the church, and so uh, uh, it's it's also good. Uh, now I'm not knocking you if you've you know obviously if you're raised in church you're all right, but sometimes we have to unlearn some things. You know, I, I've helped a lot of people learn to rope, and and uh, the, the hardest ones to teach to rope are the kid that's been swinging a rope. Like this, if you know anything about roping, this is not. Now I'm through, I'm learning some ranch loops, like these ranch cowboys, and they'll swing some at and they'll flip it and they'll do some. They'll do some things that are not team roping and calf roping. But you, the hardest thing to teach roping is to keep that wrist forward. Don't don't roll it because you you do this and if you do that, your your loops crossed up. The hardest ones to teach sometimes are the ones who have learned it wrong. And uh, so we relate that, I guess, over into the Word of God sometimes to unlearn some things. Uh, How about all kinds of habits are like that as well. So Jesus declared that great faith was the one who could do what? Understand the authority of heaven in Jesus' life and just accept it. He took the word for what it said, and that's all, that was all he needed. Now, he, says, uh, he goes on, he says, uh, verse 13, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be just as you believed it would. He released him, and he says, Just do it. Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed at that moment. He was healed when, when the man asked and Jesus agreed. Jesus released it. Man, what a what a great uh, example! Now let's look at uh, a contrast to that, and let's look at uh, Matthew chapter fourteen. And I know we went into this uh, last week as well. But man, I tell you what. This kind of teaching, to me, if we could hear this on a ongoing basis, over and over, you know, I got freed up from worrying about preaching the same scriptures over and over again, or or several times, a long time ago, because I know how it became ingrained in me was hearing the word over and over again. That's how we uh, that's how we get a hold of. It. And, and what's so cool about it is you'll see different things all the time, even when you go over uh, some of the same things. So let let's look at verse twenty two in Matthew. Uh, Fourteen, He says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and, <clears throat> and go ahead of him to the other side as he dim- dismissed the crowd. He just got done feeding the 5,000 and they'd just seen God do amazing things and, and their faith should have been on high level. And, and you know, here's the thing it doesn't say that he told them to go to the, like, speak the words, but you know he did. He said, y'all get in this boat, and you go to the other side. He, he put the disciples in. He made the disciples get in there. How did He do it? Did He grab them by the scruff of the neck? No, He told them, y'all get in this boat, go to the other side. Okay, that's fair. I'm not making anything up, right? That, that's got to be the way that, that's, that's understood. And so Jesus made a de- declaration with His words. Now, He didn't stand up and, you know, boldly proclaim or anything. He just said, go to the other side. But Jesus set forth something for them to do. He released them on an assignment. He, he, he sent them out. And you know, I don't think it, it, it requ- should have required them a whole lot of faith, but they didn't think a lot about what Jesus said. Why? Because they lived on, the, on this lake. They understood what it took to get to the other side. But I I began to think about this, and, and where was their faith? Because, see, their faith is going to falter. We know the story. But their faith is going to falter here in a little bit, and they're going to allow fear in. But what did they base their faith on? Not so much that Jesus said, go to the other side, although that was part of it, but more than anything, they were basing on what they knew and what they could see. They were basing it off of their own experience. They were basing it on, well, you know, when I do this this time of the day, this time of the night, this time of the year, it's pretty good. We've all made decisions, probably uh, business decisions or 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 uh, different moves or different things based on what we can see. You know, I've bought cattle and 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 bought uh, done things, shifting things, uh, bought piece of property or, or 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 whatever, made moves based on what I could see. Now, I mixed that with my prayer. I mixed that with faith. I mixed that with taking uh, what the Word of God says, but here in this verse, they, they, they uh, after He had dismissed, in verse 23, He, he uh, went up on the, the mountainside by Himself to pray. Later in the night He was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buff, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, the wind came out against them. Jesus had set them on this trip, and it, and and it wasn't a, a easy trip. You know, I begin to think about that earlier today as I was going through this the the contrast was that Jesus spoke, go to the other side. Now the centurion came to him with understanding of authority and basing it simply on his word he said, all I need is for you to say. He established, I just need your word. Here, their faith was mixed in what they knew. See, a lot of times we'll take Jesus' Word, but we won't necessarily take it as complete and final authority. We'll mix in with it what other factors that we know about. Now, see, I make informed decisions about... uh, you know, any kind of number of things, any any plans for the church, any plans in business, any 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 things with my family. So I gather information, and then we make a decision based on the best knowledge that we can. And You know, I had a guy t- tell me one time I, I, I w- I'd made some deal and it wasn't working the way I thought it would, and this was a long time ago, but uh, but I had. Uh, one of the leaders, one of my mentors in ministry, he told me, he said, you know, you can't consider hindsight's 2020, 20, we've all heard that. But he said, Don't consider don't don't beat yourself up over a mistake that was that was that is wrong now, but yet when you made it, it was based on the best information you had. Because it really wasn't a mistake, because you didn't know then what you know now. It kind of freed me up. I was like, man, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Well, he goes, was it stupid six months ago? I mean, I, I'd, I'd tell the story buying the, the, the uh, 90 red Angus heifers at, at 2,000 apiece when the market's up here, not knowing that in three months the market was going to be down here. I mean, it was like, who? It was like getting on the top of the Texas high roller coaster and, uh, yeah, without any whoop at the end. It was like it just, bam, just down there. Yeah. So so here I am with this great plan. The problem was the great plan uh, didn't anticipate a almost crash. I mean, it was a crash, but they don't necessarily call it. It was just it was a steep decline. And so uh, cows that were worth 2000 now are all of a sudden worth about half that, maybe or, or less, unless some things changed. And so, so I, I based that, well, you, you know, I mean, I had to remind my wife of the fact that sometimes we can't see what's going to happen three months down the road because she was like, that was a bad decision. I'm like, wow, Captain Obvious, that was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> See, y'all didn't think we ever have any, any arguments or anything. Well, it wasn't really an argument. I mean, it was pretty short-lived. But, but uh, I just said, yes, honey, you're right. And then it just kept moving. But, but see, those kinds of decisions, see, I could say, that, man, I am an utter failure. I am, that is a mistake. Well, you know, uh, looking back... I mean, sure, that was, I mean, I could, I could go back and had I held on to the cows I had, or, I mean, there was a whole multitude of decisions I made in 2017 and 18, I think it was, that, that could have changed my uh, income or, or the, the whole process of that by a lot, as was a whole lot of other people in the cattle business at that time. But you know what? There have been other years I've done things the opposite of what I did that year, and they didn't work either. The thing, the one thing I held on to was God, you bless my business because I entrust it all to you. You supply a way. You help me navigate through these storms. You give me the wisdom and the direction. You show me the next day. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm waking up at three 30, four o'clock in the morning, sweating, thinking, Oh God, Adam, what, what have I done? You know, where am I at? But you know what? And, and then to, to, to compound that they were all first calf heifers. And so and then I had to calve all these heifers out by myself with no help up there, thirty miles away, and camping in my horse trailer. And my wife is glad. It's like you deserve that. You just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just living in my my horse trailer at the time. Now I had a living quarters in that horse trailer. It wasn't just in the back. But you know, it, it was it was uh, it was one of those challenges. Now I mean, and and my I had an uncle and a cousin that were telling, you know, you knucklehead, what were you thinking? I don't need you telling me what was I thinking, you know, in the midst of that. You know, it's like, that's just the way it goes. But see, here's the thing. Every day, you know what I did? Every day, I got up, did the same thing I'd always done. I opened the Word, and I said, God, what does your Word say? Your word says that we can repent when we miss you. Your word says that we can pray in faith and believing. Your word says you never leave me nor forsake me. Your word says you'll walk with me in the midst of the storm. And see, these disciples were in that same kind of situation. Jesus had spoken, go forth. Now listen, I'd also prayed about selling it all and all that stuff, and God said, no, don't sell it all. And I don't know where I missed God. Well, I kind of do. I went up there to buy 30 or 40 and I came home with 90 and I drove up to you know so I mean that was the biggest problem you know if I'd have bought 30 or 40 it would have been an easy fix but I bought 90 so the 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 plan though there's other times so do we quit and hold back and never risk again no you just do the best you can now 2 years later God gave me a plan. It's one of the ways I got to know Dakota. He, God brought him into my life, and we flipped those cows, and I came out of that deal really, really good, setting in another group of cows. When everybody else is holding back, and that same day, I sold, a, you know, a big, big chunk of those cows, and bought back another set of cows the same day. Made a made a flip, but God walked me through the, the, that because we were we were we were focusing on Him. So it doesn't mean we hold back and don't do anything. It just means every time you do that, you say, "Okay, God, I, I'm trusting You." So as we walk through each one of those things and those times and those 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 ways that, that we learn in each one of those things but you know where this all began you know where I could walk through in confidence a challenge like that was because I learned to trust God when he when I had a flat tire at 10:30 at night and I said Lord just get me down to the barn I can make it just get me onto the bar. See, that was the; those were the faith builders because the next time I went through this little struggle of not having whatever I needed, God brought me through that one and that one, and, and it just continues to build. See, this began in 2000 when we're, I mean, anyway, I can tell you stories all night. Uh, you, you know that. Verse 25, let's read this. Shortly before dawn, when Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, when the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out for fear. Now remember, the storm's blowing. The wind's holding them back. They're not able to get where Jesus said they were going to go. They're in the midst of this storm, consumed by fear, and and Jesus spoke. Now when Jesus spoke, something happened. They began to... uh, uh, be calm, be, they, they begin to relax, but verse 27, Jesus immediately said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And you know, that reminded me of, of mom talking about that as a, as a 35-year-old widow whenever four, four kids and a ranch to try to run and, and, and all the things that she's up against, and yet her trusting in walking through that house and, and declaring, Lord, you, I'm taking courage. I'm gonna take courage. I love the, the this new or this NIV. Jesus said, do not be afraid, I think in the King James. But here he says, take courage. See, that tells me, that tells me that Jesus, when he spoke, he said, here, here, take courage. See, fear tries to overwhelm us. But he says, take courage. Now, how do we take courage? Understand the authority of his word. Understand, God, here's what you've said. Here's the word that you've given me before I got in the storm. And here's the word that doesn't leave me or change in the midst of the storm. You're the one that's going to carry me through when it doesn't look like I can make it through. Now, he goes on and uh, he says, it is I. And you know, I, 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 in the Greek, that means I am. Uh, and he says, "Do not be afraid." Now I want you. I want you to get. I want to get to this part. We're probably going to not get past this again. But if we need to, we'll preach it again next week. It's been good. Amen. Verse twenty-eight. He says, "The Lord is for uh, Lord." If it's you, Peter said, "Tell me to come to you on the water." And and all it says Jesus said was, "Come." Now here's the thing. Peter knew exactly what he was asking. It didn't need explanation. Jesus didn't, didn't need to say, Okay, Peter, uh, step and ease out on the water, and when you get your foot down there, it's going to be all right. And He, he didn't walk in there. He said one word, come. And, but within that, it was very clear what that meant. It meant, do what you're doing. Uh, walk on the water. Go to you. And so Jesus, in that word, He, he, was, uh, he had great faith. See, what changed was Peter realized if Jesus says, Come to me on the water. See, he had that, that understanding of the great faith. And in this instance, Peter's in great faith. When he, when he stepped out of the boat, great faith was holding him up. The water consistency didn't change. It wasn't frozen. It was he shouldn't have been able to, but he stepped out on that water on that great faith, but then something changed. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and was afraid, and was afraid he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Notice, immediately Jesus reached out His hand and caught him. He said, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever begun a process, begun to trust God? You know, Jesus told him, He said, Get in the boat, go to the other side. He didn't say, It'll be smooth sailing. He didn't say, There won't be a problem in the world. He, he said, go to the other side. When, he be, when they began, they faced the wind. But, and same thing when, Jesus, when Peter stepped out. But Peter stepped out on a specific word that he had an image for. He understood what he, what he meant. It wasn't based on how I feel. You know, when they got in the boat, they were assuming it was going to be good because there wasn't a storm. But in the storm when they left, it was all good. I mean, when I bought those cows, the market was good. The plan was good. My banker thought it was good. Everybody thought it was good. And three months later, it was not good. But in the midst of that, Jesus didn't change. And so we, but but when Jesus spoke, we hold fast His word. And, and when Peter stepped out, he was stepping out, On not just any old word, he was stepping out on a specific word, one that he understood and he knew. See, when I got in the midst of that storm, I had to go back to God, your word says if I give, I tithe, I sow, I trust you with my finances, that you meet all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not relying on the cattle market to be my source. I'm not relying on, on my income from the churches to be my source. I don't rely on the, pay, the, the salary. Well, I don't rely on any of that stuff now any more than I did when it was nothing. I trust you. You are my source. He uses some of those things, but God, you are my source. And so that's what Peter, he stepped out on that word, but he got rocked when he, when he let fear come in and doubt. Now, it, Jesus asked that question, why did you doubt? And if he would have had a conversation, Peter would have said, well, yeah, I mean, I, I realized what I was doing. I realized, I, I, I felt the wind. I saw the waves. But here's the key. He looked away from Jesus. He let go of the authority of, his, of, of, of that word. See, our challenge is this. Our challenge needs to be, God, what do you say in everything we do? God, what do you say? See, I began in 1986 to every morning get up and pray the Word. I began, Sue and I tithed when, when literally it was lack of groceries because we were going to trust God. We, we trusted God in every step through 34 years. We've trusted God that way, and I've walked that way, and I've said, God, every day I trust you. You know what there's been times whenever we have we've left everything comfortable to go into ministry. I mean you're seeing you're seeing the results of 30 years of trusting God and walking in ministry. But there was a lot of years where there was there was very little of anything to be secure in. And we, and we left very good things that we'd built and established to hand them off to somebody else so that God can move us to the next thing that, that, that we built. And I think we're finally at a place where we can continue to build from, from here. But but God provided each one of those places. You may be at a place in your life that, that, that's not, not your perfect spot. And, and, and you know what? If it's your perfect spot, it may not be in three months the one thing that I know is that, that doesn't change is, is the Word of God. Put your faith and your trust in Him that He leads and guides you. And in the midst, even when a storm blows up, Jesus didn't change. I didn't get there, but the, the other one, we'll get to it next week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. So we've gone quite a while. Of course, we've had a few little distractions. But I tell you what, God's faithful. I'm so thankful that you were here. I'm thankful that for those that are watching online. I'm thankful for, for just the opportunity. You know me, I'll preach to empty pews if I have to, but I'm sure glad they're not empty. So let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and we just thank you that, that Lord, we don't we may we may fall into that place of little faith. We we may falter as as Peter did. But Father God, I thank you and I praise so you that I'd bet I'd rather I'd rather be one that steps out of the boat and trusting you than to play it safe or to never risk or to or to not trust you. And so Lord if there's anybody with sound within the sound of my voice that hasn't trusted Jesus in every area of their life, I pray today you just stir them with a with a confidence and a boldness to just say Lord today I'm going to begin this this life of trusting you. And if that means making Jesus Lord of your life for the first time, I pray that you'd contact us and let us know and Lord God, I pray also that, that, that for those that are, that are maybe at a point where you, you've, they've not practiced walking, uh, stepping out on the Word of God, not put that level of, of trust, I pray today that they, that they take it to another level. Lord, I just ask that you minister to each and every one at whatever place they're in. And Lord, I thank you that in the midst of it all, you don't leave us, nor you, do you forsake us. We thank and praise You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.